0: Welcome to the Manulife Exchange, an exclusive podcast created for you, our advisors, to take stock of the latest insights, news, and solutions that are driving our industry forward. We're on a mission to make decisions easier and lives better, and we believe in the power of your advice. So get ready to examine, redefine, and simplify insurance. Get ready to rethink insurance. Manulife's tax and estate planning team are a group of accountants and lawyers supporting advisors with complex cases using life insurance solutions. In our episodes, we bring real life experience to you that we hope will inspire you to identify similar situations and explore insurance solutions.
1: My name is Diana Flannery and I'm a lawyer with the head office tax and estate planning team. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Nawal Azard, who's also a lawyer. Welcome, Nalwa. Hi, Diana. Glad to be here. Based on a real case today, the focus of this episode will look at corporate-owned joint last-to-die insurance, and what are the issues to consider in marriage breakdown?
2: Yeah, what a, what a great topic. I am excited to talk about this, even though it's maybe not the you know most warm, cozy. <laughs> topic. But before we dive into some of these substantive issues, I was hoping you could break down some of the preliminary considerations and give us a bit of a, a ground you know, framework. Give us a foundation for this topic. Great idea, Nawal. So we're going to treat
1: life insurance in most instances as a matrimonial asset. It will probably, in, mo- in most situations, meet the definition under family law legislation in the province to which we're dealing with. Right. So then we need to look at the structure. So is it a multi life? Is it a joint last to die? Then we need to consider ownership. Right. So is the ownership joint tenancy with rights of survivorship or is it a tenants in common where that interest is severed? One of the things we do note is that we get lots of questions with corporate owned life insurance. How does that get reflected on the Equalization or division financial statements, mm-hmm. and the fact is that the policy itself isn't reflected there, but rather the value of the shares of that corporation, and that value may uh, be impacted by the life insurance. The next thing we need to look at is what stage is the matrimonial dispute at? Yeah, are these parties just recently separated? Yeah, are they, uh, you know, are they entering into a separation agreement? Are they is it very acrimonious and they're already litigating? Right. So we need to know if are there signed agreements or there's court orders because if those address the insurance, we may have to take a, you know, we have to follow the court order separation agreement unless they get amended or changed. Yeah. So we have to know all those particulars. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do find advisors say to us are, you know, are the parties you know, the parties are legally separated. That's how they term it. Yeah. And unfortunately that doesn't tell us the full story Mm -hmm. because legally separated can mean they have a binding separation agreement or they they're living, you know, separate and apart, which, you know, that provides the information for that calculation for their division or net family property calculation, Right. but we need, To know exactly you know have they are they in the negotiation process where are they at are they assessing their assets yes and finally like as all things we need to know what their goal is you know when they separate how do they want to own this life insurance how who do they want to be the beneficiaries what's their outcome their objective their goal
2: right so sort of primarily we're looking about the house the how is it structured how is it owned we want all those details and when you when you mentioned legally separated you know i had all these little like ding 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 and so for for some of our listeners that may not know what living separate and apart means could you maybe unpack that a little bit
1: sure living separate and apart may actually mean that the parties are living in the same house right but have come to the realization that they are no longer holding themselves out as a couple, acting as a couple. And so they could indeed be living separate and apart, but under the same roof. Doesn't always mean that they're living at two separate addresses.
2: Okay, so and and that could be an important distinction. Some some we'll call them details, intricate details, maybe intimate details that the advisors are going to need to gather from their clients uh, when they're coming to to our team with these types of of complex cases. And and I think we have a case study uh, in this sort of under this umbrella. Why don't we Why don't we go there? We
1: frequently get asked about corporate owned uh, life insurance and joint last to die insurance. And that's the case we're going to focus on today. So we have a set of facts, we have a joint last to die policy, it's owned by the corporation. And before I move on to get into further details there, whenever we have a joint last to die policy in a matrimonial situation, Mm -hmm. realistically, this is a difficult scenario. Right. The structure is not easy to unravel. That is the reality. So. Advisors, I think, need to be quite upfront about that issue right. when this is put in place. In our scenario today, with this corporate-owned policy that's joint last-to-die, both spouses are actually 50% shareholders of this corporation that owns the insurance. The husband has his own business which where he's a 100% shareholder. Okay. They've actually done some very good planning to date you know when they were together including setting up the corporation that holds the policy and they were actually moving on to next steps about possibly implementing
2: a family trust right um but they they didn't get there right and then and then so what stage uh, were the clients uh at in, in terms of their we'll call it the family side of it which is the breakup they were actually at the point where they
1: didn't sign a separation agreement yet but they were negotiating and so this becomes I think where you as the advisor bring in the value add because you can provide all the valuable information regarding that life insurance policy mm-hmm. like the ownership right. the cost base so the acb of the policy the cash surrender value of the policy if there's any paid up additions right. these types of things may be very relevant in that separation Dis- agreement discussion in the negotiations, and quite frankly, now well, as you and I know, a lot of lawyers don't know about life insurance. Yeah, yeah. So it's an education process for them. In this case, the advisor was all on top of that and was is fully prepared and understood they needed to provide that information. Yeah. And the clients in this situation were amicable. Right. We don't always have that the luxury of that, but we do in this case. Yeah. They want to split. And ha- you know, and negotiate a separation agreement, and they wanted to know their options in relation to that joint last to insurance policy. So they
2: went to the advisor to seek information right right and and i think what what you said there and what i have to you know totally agree with is that to have clients that agree about how they want things to unfold unravel um as well as the outcome from that unraveling is not you know they're few and far between but if you're lucky enough to have clients like this that agree on how they want things to happen as well as where they want to end up As a professional, it does give you an opportunity to contribute quite a bit because you're not dealing with the conflict itself and the feelings. I think when you when you have clients like this, you're able to to be very solution oriented. And I think that in in this process, what what the advisors probably what we would like them to take away from today in terms of this section is really get the best information possible and communicate with your clients, find out what's going on for them. One little sign might be, you know, maybe you're used to only hearing from, uh, one of the partners and out of the blue, you don't hear from the, your usual contact. The other spouse is contacting you. You know, maybe that's a little sign that, Hey, I need to check in with these guys and see what's, what's going on. So in this case, Diana, tell me what were the goals of the parties?
1: Well, both the parties well, were interested in the death benefit being paid out to their adult children. We're not going to deal with minors. If it was minors, that would be a whole uh, different discussion. Yeah. And the difference uh, was to try to leave the policy in force. So the parties, you know, their question, as all clients usually do, they'll say, is there an easy way to do this? Yeah. Can we structure things and use the tools we already have? Can it be uh, done in a way that's not complicated uh, from a tax and legal perspective? Right. And the reality is, that is not necessarily going to be the case, yeah um there's really, as I've mentioned before, joint last to die is a difficult structure to deal with in matrimonial context, and we can't wave a a, a wand here there's no perfect yeah. solution, so it's actually going to be the having to look at the different options that the clients can consider and then determining what's the best option at the end of the day, absolutely. it may not be what they see as easier uncomplicated or perfect
2: yes and and also i think managing expectations as well is to be realistic about the options available and to go through sort of a a pragmatic numbers-based approach if possible to say this is what it all looks like and and what you know and and let the clients decide for themselves what makes sense for their situation absolutely
1: Mm -hmm. Now, now, we sort of laid the groundwork from, you know, the family law perspective and what kind of information our team would need to be able to support and help the advisor in such a case. Yeah. But now we need to look at, you know, what other types of issues uh, come into play here, like ownerships, the, the tax considerations, and sort of the pros and cons of each one. So yeah. I think to get at that, I'm going to ask a series of questions to you and you know, we can have a discussion about that. Yeah, let's do it. We know in this case that the clients wanted to keep the policy in force, but what would
2: happen if they transferred the policy out of the corporation for them to own jointly? Excellent question because these clients did come to us, come to their advisor and the advisor in turn came to our team with this proposed, we'll call it solution to say, let's take it out of our company. We can each own half and sort of go down that, we'll call it the uh, the stereotypical family law division 50-50 right down the middle. Some of the facts that are important in this analysis and why this option wasn't ultimately chosen was that, yes, they owned it together and that they wanted it to end up, the, the outcome was shared, but because it was owned by a company that they were closely interconnected with and transferring to themselves, the proximity of the parties, we'll call it the relationship between the parties, meant that it fell under any transfer for anything, any change, we'll say, with that policy moving out of the company would be seen or captured under the non-arm's length uh, provisions of the Income Tax Act. And so then there's other facts that we need to look at to see, well, does this make sense for these people? In their specific case, had they transferred the policy out of the corporation, that would be a disposition. So that's like, it's a transfer. So on that disposition, a T5 would have been issued, let's say, for the amount uh, that that would have been calculated. And, And this is really where the advisors are instrumental because they can help do some of the math they can prepare the numbers they can you know fi- find out the csv find out the acb and help the clients figure out the numbers so that that they- when they're considering their options or asking questions about you know suggested options for them they have some math to back it up now let's say they did transfer it out of the corporation and they got their t5 once it's transferred then there would be a secondary kind of concern to say well do these numbers fall within um, the definition of a shareholder benefit? And then do we have to then deal with a personal, we'll call it shareholder tax liability, uh, to each of those two individuals? So in this case, transferring out of the corporation didn't make sense for the clients because the tax bill was going to be quite substantive.
1: Yeah. That sounds very complicated and not what they wanted or the desired outcome. So yeah, let's look
2: at another scenario. Yeah. So if they decided to cash in the policy, where where would that leave things yeah and this this is also another this was also a good option for them to look at was surrender the policy and and hit refresh buy new policies however the the csv proceeds would still be within the company so then now you're having to deal with getting money out of a company and same thing you're going to pay tax on that so for these folks it didn't make sense to go down that route either so Nalwa, what did they actually end up doing or what did they actually decide? Yeah, so they, you know, considered, I think, I think they were given like five, six, very, very thorough analyses and they ended up leaving the policy in the corporation. They left it as is. They created a plan around a share, kind of a share change between the two uh, amicable, soon to be ex-spouses. And the plan was to uh, essentially avoid an immediate disposition, avoid a tax bill at the outset and create a plan plan within the company structure as is to ensure that both adult children would receive the death benefit money when when it when, when the time came when the relevant time came and and that's really what made the most sense for, for them you know of course some cons even though they agree the plan did put will will say eventually 100% of the shares of the company in control of one spouse so you do have to walk your clients through some of these decisions and to make sure that they understand the full scope of the process from start and you know what that means to have 100% of the shares for the spouse that is going to give up their 50% control. But this is what made the most sense for this, these particular clients.
1: And so now that, I mean, this is particular to the, this situation, we may find that that wouldn't have been the outcome in other situations, that it wouldn't have worked for the parties the same way.
2: Yeah. It's a very fact specific analysis and i'm sure you've seen this over the course of your of your career with with Life and on this very um specialized team is that every case um especially when we're dealing with the big cases i mean the bigger the estate value the more complex there's more layers there's more interpersonal dynamics to consider and so the advisors in in conjunction with our team i guess are the advocates as well as the information providers the you can only get as good of a i guess you know, kind of solution as the data that goes into the machine, and and yeah, so so all this to say, uh, it's it, there. There is no ideal, and there is definitely no magic wand in the realm of joint last to die and marital breakdown. It's are going to be sticky prepare prepare yourself for some work and prepare yourself for some math and and really if you if you have a joint last to die or if you're setting up a financial or estate plan for your clients, be aware of these issues uh, from the outset and help help them consider them before you know we're at that breakup point if and when that happens of course. So um, to summarize our chat today, I wanted to point out sort of some key takeaways for our listeners. And I think the first and foremost is that life insurance is a matrimonial asset. It's going to be subject to equalization and division. Um, This, of course, excludes Quebec, where they have the code civil uh, jurisdiction. And our TREPS team, really, we need to know, you know, who. Who owns the policy? How is it owned? (laughs) Who are the beneficiaries? How are they named? We want all the nitty gritty details. And and of course, connected to that is what is the purpose? What is the goal that these clients are trying to achieve? Where are we trying to go with this? The second is, you know, when seeking our team support, I think it's, it's super important to know like the timing. At what point in this process are these clients and what's happening? So are they negotiating a separate separation agreement? Are they litigating? And, and if there are documents, if there are court documents, again, send us the nitty-gritty details. We want, we, we are probably going to need to take a look at, at that. And then for our team to be able to assist the professionals that are also assisting your clients, so let's say they're family lawyers, we want to have, you know, we want to have current policy information. And that's where the math comes into play. Advisors can run in force illustrations to establish whether any paid up, you know, if there's any paid up value, deposits, etc. Um, you know, help your clients along, do the math and walk them through the numbers as well. And then last but not least is, is you know, be mindful, I guess, of the issues uh, and some of the challenges when dealing with a joint last to die structure. It's gonna be sticky if you have a marriage breakdown. And if you're planning, if you're not quite at a breakup, but you're in the planning stage, flag that for your clients. I know our team has, I think, I think Diana, like the only one in the industry. Am I right to say that, or is that that's correct? Yeah, it is. Okay, so it's it's completely unique. It's a one-of-a-kind family law checklist. Um, I have I have reviewed this more times than I would like to admit. It is so useful and just breaks down all of the questions, all of the potential issues. It's a roadmap to maybe not avoid, but help navigate, I guess, the yellow brick road of joint last to die and a marital breakdown
1: now well great summary i think those are all valid and really important points to remember for advisors and you know certainly referencing the family law you know checklist and guide there's a lot of good information in there that will help that discussion along Mm -hmm. so that's our episode today and not an easy
2: topic but we jumped in and we got there we did it such a pleasure thanks diana thanks
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Manulife Exchange. We're driving the insurance industry to innovative solutions for our customers and the communities we serve are at the forefront of everything we do. Rethinking insurance is what we do. How about you? For more information on the future of insurance and for more episodes, please visit manulife.ca forward slash the Manulife Exchange. Thanks for tuning in. Copyright Manulife. This podcast, including case studies and support materials, is for general information purposes only and is not specific to any one individual or case. This podcast shouldn't be relied on for specific financial, legal, tax, accounting, or other advice. Opinions expressed are those of Manulife and are subject to change based on legislative, case law, market, and other conditions that may change during the course of recording and publishing this podcast. Support materials reference may be incomplete if viewed on their own and should be referenced within the context of the applicable podcast episode. Individuals should seek the advice of professionals with respect to this information and any action taken. Manulife isn't responsible for any losses arising from any use of the information in this podcast. The manufacturer's life insurance company, Manulife, is the issuer of Manulife insurance contracts. Manulife, Manulife and Stylized M Design, and Stylized M Design are trademarks of the manufacturer's life insurance company and are used by it and by its affiliates under license.